Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to disaster recovery, business continuity, resilience, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Today, we are going to talk about engagement and its importance. Uh, We've had many guests on the show who talk about it, um, but sometimes I think it gets glossed over a little bit how important it is. And today's guest was actually referenced from a previous guest, Stephanie Barnes, who was referenced by Catherine McEwen, who was referenced by uh, Tammy Horton. Uh, So we've got a nice little string here of continuing on. And I want to welcome to the show... Mark Rowley. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Alex, and nice to meet you as well. And uh, you've got nice weather uh, where you are, as we were talking before we got started here, uh, which is nice. Um, it's, it's it's all good. I, I love all kinds of weather because that's what makes our planet lovely and green uh, as well. So I love the rain as well. So it's all good. Well, you, you're over in the UK, right? So uh, I, I, if anything, I heard yesterday it was a lot of rain and uh, uh what is it impacted Wimbledon, if I recall correctly? It did, and it impacted my garden. It's looking lovely and lush. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good impact. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. Now, uh, I know I mentioned we're going to talk about the importance of engagement, and you and I have uh, gone back and forth, and I, I know what you do. But could you take a minute or two and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got into what you do? Yeah, no, no problem at all. So obviously you've inter- introduced me as Mark Rowley. So I help businesses with their productivity and that which increases their revenue. And it's all around something I call the engagement triangle. Um, I've been leading um, people and training people and coaching people for nearly 30 years within corporate organisations. I also teach mental resilience as well. But one of the things I came across is, is understanding how you engage people in a way that increases productivity but also increases the well-being within the the workplace i'm also a qualified counselor so i study psychology and neuroscience as well so it's it's trying to find out the best ways to get uh, people to be the best versions of themselves and in turn that can create the best version of the company that they're working for but most importantly they can take that back into their family as well and so that that's where i teach and um and I love, I love my job. I've got the best job in the world. I've really got a good passion for uh, psychology and personal resilience lately. Um, I hear so much about different aspects of operational resilience and organizational resilience and community resilience. But I, I've really started to take a look at the personal side of things. So I'm really happy to have you here so we can talk about engagement. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this as well. Well, let's start with the first obvious question. 
um, because I think sometimes people have a misconception of what engagement means. So what really is the meaning of engagement? Engagement means that you're on the same level as someone or you understand them from an empathetic point of view. So if you're just talking at someone and not listening, then you lose out a lot of uh, the cues there. So that engagement, engagement for me, it's, it's being able to talk, listen and be with someone in the room in, in that present moment. Um, and that, for me, is so important within businesses. Sometimes you can miss those nuances when someone has had a bad day at home and they're coming into work. And if you're not listening, if you're not looking, and if you're not engaging in, in, in a way where you're using your ears and not just your mouth to actually engage with them, you'll miss those things. And then that person could go for a really bad day, not be as productive, but actually it could mean they'll be in a worse mental state for when they get home. So I think it's vitally important for everybody within businesses to have that active listening skill so they can engage with people. And I'm probably I'm not sure if I explain that correctly, but the the engagement thing for me is being there in the present moment and listening intently, but also looking at the body language and asking the right questions. So not just dictating, but asking the right questions. How are you? How are you doing today? Um, what, what what plans have you got? Is there any challenges you can see? And it is really probing and asking the right kind of questions to draw out what those um, answers are. That's engagement for me. Well, I'm already going to go off script. It's after, uh, well, in most respects, we're now finished with uh, COVID. And there's so many people working at home now. So how do you engage differently? Because you had some great examples there, asking questions, you know, watching body language. But let's face it, you and I are on screen right now and you only see us from our shoulders up. So how do you go about trying to uh, probe or uh figure out how somebody is feeling so that they can be engaged you've you've got to know that person so say say if i'm a lead and i've got a team of say 10 people and they're all working from home i'm not just going to talk to them about work so when i call them up i'm doing it in such a relaxed way so how, how are you doing alex how, how's your day today how's the family what's been going on in your world what's your coping mechanisms what have you what what's the best thing you've done this week What's what's most challenging thing that's happened this week? So you're really understanding them as a human being, not just as an employee. That's how you get that engagement remotely. So I've worked in IT for 24 years. And so a lot of that work has been remotely. And you can still, well, you obviously you can't use the body language as much. As you say, you can only see from the shoulders up, but you can communicate in a way that you can understand and it's about bringing down that guard because sometimes people can feel a bit stressed out talking to a leader, which is ridiculous because we're all human beings, but they can do. So it's breaking down those barriers so that you can have human conversations. And then that's when you build that trust up with the employee um, in life, really. You build that trust up with the person and then you can have those conversations. But also when you start asking things outside of the work, not have you reached your targets, how are you getting on with this project? You, you're asking about them. 
Because let's be honest, we're all human beings. We like talking about ourselves. And that's how you engage people. You you get them to start talking about themselves and get them to, to feel that you do actually care about them and their well-being. And that's how you build that trust up. So I think you can do this remotely. You can do this face-to-face. To be perfectly honest, it's, it, it matters not. It's just about correct kind of communication that makes people relaxed and open up to you. You bring up an interesting point there. You said we get, a lot of us get nervous when we're talking to our directors or our vice presidents you know, or people further up the ladder. What about the other way? Because I'm trying to engage you or you're engaging me or my boss, but then our director or vice president gets on the phone and they don't seem as though they're engaged. Like they, they're, not, they're not talking to us the same way. No, it's weird. Is how how it's not weird. Sorry, it's just human nature. How, how we talk to people at different levels. Um, I've tried to remove that, and the reason being, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all have a role. But just because someone has a level of a seniority doesn't mean they automatically get respect. It doesn't mean they automatically um, you you have to change your the way you talk to them. Now, obviously, there's going to be some people based on their personality type. Now, that might be the reason why people talk to people differently. Subconsciously, we understand there are people who are more dominant, who will not suffer falls gladly. So they, you know, if you're waffling a lot, uh, when I say, does that make sense? When I say waffling, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I understand. Hopefully, I wasn't waffling too much. Uh, waffling a lot, then people will cut through that and they just want to get to the, the, the to the data then you've got more data driven people who need the facts and figures but don't like things changing and then you've got other people who are more inspiring who are they'll, they'll talk about everything under the sun and it's not a problem at all so it's sometimes you get that and people in sometimes in those leadership positions are more have a personality personality type of more dominant and so they're on tight, tight, uh, tight timescales, so they forget that human side. Not all. I'm not. I'm not casting everybody with the same brush here. They're, you know, they're, you will have particular leaders who are under a lot of stress, under a lot of pressure, and they, that will come across in their communication. And so, and I have actually done this myself too. Um, I've reported to CEOs where I've just stopped and said, "So, how are you, how are you doing today?" Are you okay? And it really flusters. It can because not a lot of people talk to their leaders and ask how they are. And that that, that actually can change the dynamic. But pe- when leaders are talking, um, obviously, to other people, sometimes they're on tight timescales. Um, but they're human beings at the end of the day. We're just a, a different role. That's all it is. Yeah. I, I was on a call last week and... Uh... I was talking with a bunch of uh, managers in IT and it started off. We were all friendly. How's it going? How how you doing? You know, we all live in different areas around Toronto. So with North, South, right downtown, you know, uh, an hour, a couple of hours away. And then all of a sudden the vice president director got on the phone and the whole atmosphere changed. (laughs) It went completely opposite, you know, so that's why I was wondering, you know, Hey, how come, why does this happen? It's quite sad. I've averagely worked the last couple I worked for a fantastic CEO. Um, they're very engaging 
would stop and have a personal conversation with you. And that's the, that's the difference. The, the world is changing in that respect. People are understanding the psychology around leadership and engagement more. And employees, you know, the, 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 the great resignation. And since COVID, people have realigned their lives to, to their, to their values and what they want to do. And so that is that, that whole thing is should be, should be changing soon. That would make a, that would make a, a nice change, I would say. <laughs> I have seen, I have seen that myself, which is good. Well, let's talk about how we make this change. How, can you help by using engagement tools and some of the things you mentioned? How can you go about helping an employee? How do you how do you address that? Helping employees, um, what how they engage with their peers as well as customers and leaders. Sure. And, and what what first thing you can do is is, <clears throat> is understand that there are different personality types, and then understand what your personality type, but also people communicate and engage in different ways some people will want a a very visual so if you're trying to explain something to them they'll want to see it they're actually you know there might be a video as well because they might be visual and auditable as well and some people are kinesthetic where they have to they're they're, do using a whiteboard and, and everything but it's all it's all around understanding that everybody's different everybody's going through a different stage in their life so sometimes they may be grumpy and that might be just purely because they've had an argument with their, their spouse or their partner just before, or sibling just before they've come out. It could be that their car broke down on the way to work. And it's understanding that. It's using empathy to understand and think outside of your, your personal space. So one thing, one thing I do with um, in employees um, – is, is actually just get them to understand that and see that everybody is different. Everybody has their own challenges. And it's not just about you. It's about the team. I've worked with some companies where, for whatever reason, there's been a bit of a bad culture where the operations are against the office staff, about the engineers. And... I have to go in there and teach them about business culture and say, you're actually all one team. And once they start realizing that, you know, the bigger picture, they can actually see that. And then you see respect start happening. So it, it's just opening people's eyes up. I mean, some people just go to a job for money. That's it. Some people go to a job because they're there, you know, they're caring for their elderly relative at home. And they're only the, they're the only person bringing that money in. So they don't want to go to all these dues. They don't want to go to go to the pub after work or they don't have time to do all these silly games online as, as part of employee engagement. <laughs> They're just there to do that. And other people, uh, I had I had someone who was saving up for a bike, uh, a motorbike, was actually going to uh, drive around Canada. Uh, on it wasn't a Harley. It was it was a it was one of these big BMW um, bikes, but it was it was one that. And that's what his life's dream was. So I knew we only had like four or five years because we'd been talking and he was saving up four or five years of his time. So I made sure we had the best value of him. But I helped him with any overtime with with, with getting up to a level where he was um, 
developing himself so he got bigger pay rises that he you know he pushed himself out of his comfort zone so it, it, it's again under understanding individuals so employees if they all understood that everybody's individual and everybody has a role it really does help any business move forward and it helps themselves as well how do you go about because you mentioned uh, some great examples there of auditory uh, learners visual learners reading writing learners I can be all of them, depending on what it is. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, stop talking. I just want to read this or draw it out for me. I can't figure out what you're saying. You know, those kind of things. It really depends on the topic. But if you've got a group, a team, a team, and they're all different, how can you, you know, if you're in one meeting, you know, online meeting here, like we are now, go about trying to address everybody's different needs all at once? That's great. That's got to be a challenge for a manager. You know, I've, I've got to write out this one process, but I don't have time to do, you know, four different presentations. For <laughs> so how do you go about doing that? Uh, so it's a really good question. The, the, the way that I found that this works the best is to do a video, do a screen share. So you're there talking. You've got a visual. So, say um, so uh, a new process was coming in place. So I use, I don't know, Microsoft Visual Basics to be able to, draw the draw the graph to show how the process flowed and the different points if this works then go down this route have that in the same screen so i would have captions on the bottom as well so with me talking you'd see all my words coming up so and that would be the visual the audible and then there's the the process i would also send that process out to the people beforehand so if they wanted to they could print it out or they could have it on their own laptop um, or whatever device they're using to actually see it. And afterwards, I would send out a link to it, but also the transcript as well. So the people that want to be able to uh, read it, understand a bit more, play with the process, they've got all that information. And you've, you've captured every single element then, the visual, the audible, and the kinesthetic uh, uh, elements. Which it did, it, it, it works really well. Now, I didn't just come up with that, that was me working with employees. What is the best way? And, and I think a lot of people don't do that. Ask your audience, What is it you want? How do you want it? How would you like me to deliver it? Do I waffle too much? Do I need to get to the point? Do I need to send that to you? Um, a lot of people who are, um, their personality type is, is data driven, they're very analytical, don't like change. So put some of the calendar invite in the diary and stick to it. Um, that's vital. And, and so you you know you can you can ask, you can find out because every like you say everybody's different. Um, I've had some visually impaired uh, people working on my team, so we had to use a special software to enable them to see and hear. Um, it's just different ways. I'm dyslexic myself, so I make sure that I validate everything and make sure the grammar and English is correct. Um, but I've had people who uh, are dyslexic as well and also ADHD, because obviously all dyslexic people are different. They have different grades and stuff. Um, but you see, anybody on their neurodiverse range, you've got to cater for every single element. And I have been told, Mark, you talk too much. Just get to the point. And it's like, thank you for the honest feedback. I appreciate that. And But again, you have to have that environment of safety for them to be honest, because otherwise they'll never tell you that was atrocious. Please make sure you don't do that again. <laughs> or, that was, <laughs> or that is perfect. Carry on that way. 
<laughs> um, we only have four minutes left, but uh, I had a question for you uh, based on something you just said here. Uh, when you've got some of these meetings, uh, sending out materials ahead of time and uh, after a meeting as well. So would it be fair in saying that engagement isn't just a one-time thing, that it's something you kind of prepare ahead of time, like sending out your materials uh, prior to a meeting? It's the face-to-face -face talk, whether it be online or in a meeting room, but it's also a follow-up as well, and that's how you engage. It, it would, would that be fair to say? Oh, definitely. It's a, con it's a constant engagement. It's about building relationships, building understanding, building trust, building respect between you, you know, sticking to what you say you're going to do, um, listening, be you know, putting that time aside to actually talk to them as a human being and recognising they are a human being. And that's, it's all those different elements. So it is a constant. So as as an employee, as a, as a leader, that's what you're constantly doing. You're working with human beings who are the most complex organisms, well, Yes, the complex organisms on this planet. And you have to do that. You have to recognize that. And if you don't, you're losing out on a lot. And you'll you'll never find you'll have so much in common with someone more than you realize. I like my um my my dance music um and, and my hip hop. And you talk to someone, they went, Oh my, really? I didn't expect that from you. You know, you know, you're I'm a 50-year-old bold leader. <laughs> you, know, you don't look like you you'd be uh, in a in a, a mosh pit or anything like that. So like, no, I you know, I used to be young once and I still enjoy that kind of music. So people don't understand until you start asking the right questions and have an open mind. Yeah, my my neighbor had the same kind of reaction the other day when uh... I had music playing in the car. I pulled up, but it was uh, symphonic metal uh, playing. Because I listened to chill out. I listened to 80s. I listened to all kinds of music, dance music as well. And they were just, I never expected that from you. <laughs> it's amazing the preconceptions that we have of people. It's, it, it's, I, I love breaking that as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> breaking that down. It's, um, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, we've only got a minute and a half left. Do you want to take a minute and with any final thought or any final comment you'd like to convey about engagement? Yeah, we, we just need to understand that, um, you know, everybody's in a different stage of their life as well. So don't look at ec equity rather than equality, because equity means everybody's needs and they're all different. And that's what we need to look at as, as human beings, as leaders, as employees use equity and understand that everybody is different. I think that's that's the best the best advice that I could I could give really. That's the perfect place to spot, to to end this episode. Mark, that was great. Thank you so much. I can't believe the time just flew by here. You know, that, <laughs> that was so fast. Um I hope a lot of people pay attention that you know engagement isn't just approaching somebody and telling them something. It's getting to know them. You know, it's more than that. And we talk about networking and building networks in, in our organizations all the time. So hopefully people really pay attention to this. So thank yeah, you. Thank you. And thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. My pleasure. And everybody watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody.
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today we are talking with Mark Raleigh. Mark, we had a great first segment talking about the importance of engagement. Now we're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to talk about mental resilience. So could you tell us what you mean by or what is meant by mental resilience? Not, not a problem at all, Alex. So mental resilience, um, people will naturally get mental resilience as they go through life because life is like this. You have ups and you have downs. And mental resilience is the ability to bounce back quicker. It's the ability to understand when you are feeling stressed and being able to, my, using mindfulness, using meditation, using different ways to be able to bring yourself back into the present moment and recognize what the dangers that stress can cause you. So being that resilient to me is ability to bounce back and get more out of life because you are mentally resilient. And it's a real passion of mine as well, because, you know, some people are very privileged that they go through life. They have a wonderful childhood, you know, nothing major happens, but then something really bad will happen. And that actually can turn someone's life right upside down. And I, you know, I'm a I'm a trustee of a homeless charity, and I see a lot of cases because nobody wants to be homeless, and a lot of cases where people's worlds have fallen apart and they've ended up homeless, and it's a downward spiral from there. Um, so it that that's why it's a passion of mine. I mean, ideally, I'd like to help everybody in the world. I mean, that's a it's a it's a, it's a great vision of what I want to do anyway. But um, yeah, it'd be really good if we, if we could get everybody to understand what me- mental resilience is and how to achieve it. Because it's you can't just do it in a two-hour workshop once a year. It's a tick box exercise in my eyes that um, a lot of organisations say, yeah, I've done it, two hours. No, it's a journey. And I'm just you- going to say that. that Sorry. I, I, I've heard um, you know, we're offering a course on mental resilience, you know, two hours, 
and, you know, pay whatever the fee is. And uh, at the end of it, you'll be kind of resilient. You, you know, you're <laughs> in the right mindset. And I don't think it, it happens that quickly. No, it's like going to the gym. You know, you go to the gym once, you do loads of weights, do a bit of cardio. You're not beach ready then, are you? Unless you're you're <laughs> gifted to be uh, have a, a natural physique. It takes time and you won't see that difference. You know, I, I, I do a lot of strength training. And all I can see is because I measure, you know, how many reps I'm doing, what the weight is. And you don't see the difference on yourself. And it's the same with mental resilience. It takes time. It, you know, it will do. You, there's no quick fix here. There's no reset in the brain to go, oh, right, yeah, I'm resilient. You get given the tools, but as, you know, as as humans, and sometimes we need to be reminded about that. And it's it's a shame, really. You see people that smoke they're on their, their, their on the packets, there's there's lots of really bad pictures of like lungs coming out of people's mouths because they're smoking. You know, they really bad, but it doesn't put people off. And, you know, stress is a silent killer. It, it has uh, our brains and our bodies are so interconnected. People don't realize. And there's new evidence coming out all the while. So being mental resilience means you can prolong your life. It means you can make a bigger difference in the world. You can be happier more of the time and you can bounce, bounce back from adversity as well. Well, then why is it that so many uh, vendors, suppliers, companies, try to market mental resilience as a quick fix that there is a a way to to uh you know make it happen so to speak i personally think it's like most things is a buzzword it's a tick box exercise um employees are realizing that a lot of people are saying we will only go and work for a company that does looks after mental health Okay, well, let's let's just put a mental resilience course on. And it's like, no. In fact, there, there are some, so, sorry, I, I don't want to downplay a lot of companies because there are mental health um, professionals now that are in some businesses and they, you know, train the trainer. So they train someone up to identify. But that, to me, that's, um, you know, prevention is better than cure. You know, identifying that someone's stressed, they're already stressed, their amygdala is already shrunk, and that means they're going to see danger and fear more quickly, and it takes longer to get better. So for me, mental resilience, it needs to be, yeah, you could do a day's workshop, but explain and say, Raki, I want to come back in three months' time. I want to see what you're doing. I want you to have alarms on your on your phone to be able to remind you to meditate. I've got you know notes on your phones to be able to have this affirmation or do this mindfulness activity or do any kind of things that just sent uh, you know bring you back to the present moment and not future worrying or mm-hmm. going back to the past and ruminating. Well, let's touch on that. What kind of things can, uh, let's say myself, I'll use myself as an example. What kind of things can I start or stop doing to begin a, a journey of resilience to get you know my mental health better? What can I start and stop doing? What I would really, really start with um, is the inner chatter. I think there was a, br- a brilliant book, um, the, the, Ch- the Chimp. Chimp paradox. I don't know if you've read that at all, but it, it talks about um, our, our, our egos are there to protect us, and that's the voice in our head. It's not us. It's our. We've evolved so quickly that our our minds are always constantly looking for danger, and our brain is. It, you know, our ego is trying to protect us, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
Uh, there's a lot of bad press about ego. And yes, if you have an elevated ego, yes, there are problems there. I think we all know uh, when we've seen that ourselves. But our ego is there to protect us. And that inner chatter can actually do more damage to us with our mental resilience than actual external things. So f- quieting down that inner, inner chatter is is key. So there are some techniques that I use. Um, for for example, if you get a journal and you write down 20, 30, 40 of the most amazing experiences that you have, just write a line. So for me, it would be a Thailand holiday before we had children, seeing the birth of my firstborn, getting married, seeing the birth of my second, you know, uh, lads, lads day in, in York races, you know, those kind of things, uh, running up Snowden, just writing a line write all those down just a sentence and then turn off all gadgets all phones get away from everybody and read the first line and immerse yourself in that experience remember what you felt like what you what you could smell what you could taste what you could see what your feelings felt like what actually happened sort of relive that moment that might take three four five minutes ten minutes and then move on to the next and you keep doing that and then if, you, if you've got sort of 20 of those things, you've spent nearly an hour going through them. Now, you might say, okay, well, what's the use of that? Well, one, how amazing is that to relive those amazing moments in your life? So positivity, gratitude for having, having it. Psychologically, it's amazing. But also you're in control of what your brain is thinking. This is the key. The, mi- the mind is a muscle that we have to keep using. We have to keep reinventing stuff to uh, redo the pathways of our um, of our neurons in our brains so we we have to keep rechanging the pathway of that and that is one way of doing it it just helps us gain control and we keep doing that and eventually we will be controlled and we can say to that negative mind that starts coming up no i'm not ready for that now there's something else i saw where you you if it's really ruminating go on shout stop and then count back five, four, three, two, one. And this engages your frontal cortex, which means you're focusing on something else. Or you can do grounding techniques. That's that's what that's the first thing. Get control of the inner mind. Mm-hmm. Then anything to do with being out in nature, um, um, walking meditation, um, being able to um focus on one single that's all meditation is, it's focusing on one single thing. And and whatever, it could be transcendental meditation. It could be where you have a mantra that you repeat. It could be breathing meditation. It could be looking at a candle. Um, you can be mindful as well, using, using mindfulness. So just being aware. So one of the grounding techniques is where you look for, for, for five things, five, four things you can see, three things you can smell, two things you can taste, one thing that you can touch, you know, it's in a different order, but you can do that. Really ground yourself. But also anything to do with focusing your mind on a single thing, that's meditation. And not everything, not everybody can meditate. And I get that because they get anxiety about the breath. Um, and that's that's fine. But you can do walking meditation where every single footstep Um. Another thing is having cold baths, having cold showers. So having cold showers, and it, what it is, is it's putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. Mm. And but it's in a it's in a controlled situation. 
So you go and have a, a cold shower and you stand there trying to not shiver and just or get into a cold bath. It builds your resilience up because it's your mental resilience, your ability to cope with adversary. Also, if you're sat down in a safe area, breathe in and out through your nose really fast, 20, 25 times. It's like a, a prana breathing, but you, you can do that. Obviously, I'd make sure you're on the floor because you you may pass out. I'm not not everybody does, but some people might. But that is actually putting your body under stress in a safe environment, and that just builds. It just it all these little things they build up, they chip away at uh, the stuff that's stopping you from being mentally resilient to be able to bounce back from adversity. And um, but meditation, mindfulness, to me. They're the key. Being out in nature and one of the most amazing things, exercise. Eve, I've had people in wheelchairs say, I can't, I can't exercise. Everybody can exercise in some way, even if it's just clapping. If you're, you know, if you're, you're, you're overweight, you're, you're bed bound, whatever, you can still clap. You can still move your move your neck. You can still move around. A kind of exercise that really helps. There's more things that we can push ourselves to do. Just getting our heart rate up because that's in releasing some amazing endorphins, dopamine, oxytocin. Are those kind of things that drop into your body it just makes you feel better, uh, and it just really has such a profound effect on your on your mental health. Uh, I couldn't help but uh, remember some of my own challenges when I started meditating years ago. Uh, I'd get anxious uh, when I first started because I couldn't concentrate on my breath. All that inner chatter kept coming in and I get so frustrated. But then I, I read, um, I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh, um, uh, one of his books. And he said, well, that's the way you're supposed to feel when you start. So if you're feeling that way, you're on the right, the right path. Definitely. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So for anyone listening, you know, it, it, as as Mark said, it is a journey, you know, so it's not going to happen overnight, snap of a finger. Now, Mark, let's take, let's say we have been practicing uh, a lot of this. We are getting our, our mental resilience in shape. We are on this journey. How can we influence and how does that influence the rest of maybe our team, uh, those uh, that we work with um, in our organization? How do we take that and expand it? That's a, that's a great great question. Have you heard of the phrase the the calmest in the room will always win? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you're, I, I've noticed this in a lot of businesses. If you're the calmest person, people around you start to calm down. If you're a leader who's calm, your employees will start calming down. People react to their surroundings. So being mentally resilient gives you that ability, especially if you're practicing mindfulness as well. It gives you that ability. Your, your emotional intelligence increases. So you're not. Um, there's a, there's a great uh, phrase that says, um, "Don't allow your emotions to overpower your intelligence." And I think that's so key. It's. Uh, I think Morgan Freeman said that. That's oh, an amazing quote. And it, it it just you know it just means you know don't allow those emotions to bubble up and surface and create havoc around the business place or at home. You know, you remain remain calm, poised. It doesn't mean that you're you're rela too relaxed and you, you you know almost horizontal in in your approach. You can still be focused, laser focused. You can still give direction, 
I've had situations where something has caught on fire in uh, where we're in a at a wedding and one of the table things started the candles it, it caught, caught a few napkins and this whole uh, display started to go on fire and everybody was panicking so I just picked up a couple of napkins picked it up and took it outside and threw it on the grass and no emotion just dealing with that I've had a situation where um, I've, I've had a kidney taken out and at a time I didn't realise what it was but um, I was coming back. We were in Australia, and um, we were just about to get the the uh, taxi to the airport. And unfortunately, I, I urinated blood. Uh, apologies for if that makes anybody feel uh, queasy, but I'm just being factual here. And at that point, because I was emotionally intelligent and mental resilience, I said, "Can I do anything about this? No. Am I in pain? No." Okay, so I'll part this for when I get home. And I didn't tell anybody about it. Went home, made the appointment, and eventually they found that my kidney needed to be taken out. And I had I waited till a day before the operation before I told all my family. <laughs> and they they didn't like that, but I made them I said to them, Look, look how you're reacting now. This is why I didn't tell you. Being mental resilient, being emotionally intelligent helps you get through life and it allows you to to take away that emotion. So when you're in the workplace, no one's flapping. Okay, we have a severity one issue going on here. Let's let's resolve it. What are the facts? What are we dealing with? Where are we now? Where where do we need to get to? Have we got a plan? Okay, let's do it. It it's you know it's that kind of approach. It it just has a big impact. Um, there's a lot of surveys out there. You know, I think seventy eight of employees said they were only work in a company that was promoting that mental resilience, and I think that's key for a lot of employees employers to recognize it's a huge thing emotional intelligence empathy humility vital for leaders nowadays these things they what help drive a company forward and reach phenomenal uh, productivity well that that was going to be my next question is how do we take that now and to um, discover the benefits that it offers uh, an organization or a business when, if you think of retention rates, well, a lot of illness, I think 68% of all illnesses that go to primary care, that go to the, the general practitioners in the UK are due to stress. It's, that's, that's a fact that has, been, that has been proven. So if you can give, help people become mental resilience, understand what their triggers are, because some, some people have particular triggers and you can work out what those triggers are. People have to have journals and everything, but... The impact that it has means you'll have less downtime, less people off ill. Your attention rates will increase because there's not people getting burnt out um, and, and, and moving because they're so stressed. And what I've read somewhere that there's some organizations were saying, we've, we've read the psychology here and we can produce, we can put our employees through quite a bit of stress and it's actually good. And I challenged that and I said, Okay, so how are you measuring stress? What happens if they're really stressed at home and are coming to work because it calms them down and you're at, you're piling on that stress level? So you have to think about the whole... No one looks holistically at everything. Mm -hmm. And so having that mental resilience, having that ability to be able to bounce back and be more resilient, be emotionally intelligent, be understand how your mind works and what your triggers are and people are recognising that, it means you're, you know your attrition rates will will 
what for? So the amount of people that are leaving, they want to stay because they feel valued, feel happy. They feel like they can be challenged and actually achieving stuff. There's nothing better as a human being than doing stuff and, and producing stuff and doing you being able to do your job correctly. It's a phenomenal and mental resilience helps that. But it, it, again, it needs to start at the top. You need mental resilient leaders mm-hmm. who can then filter that down in a calm, emotionally intelligent, empathetic way that people just like are drawn to it. And that, that that's what enthuses employees. That's what motivates them. That's what them, they want to do more. They want to be part of that bigger vision that a company has. I think that's what mental resilience does. It's, it's, it has a profound impact, it increases productivity um, immensely due to the those reasons I've just said. People aren't as ill. People aren't as stressed. People aren't burnt out. It's, it's, it's huge. There, there's a little something I, I'm not sure if, if you've touched on it or not, but as you're um, on your resilience journey and you are making uh, making progress there and your leadership is making progress and there's starting to be influence in the organization, um, and then you had an example here, uh, your own example of not telling family a, a certain um, things that have happened to you or are about to happen to you right away. Are you also developing your own self-awareness of how to communicate to other people as well, you know, so that you're not creating the stress like you just talked about on your employees and not creating uh, negative situations for other people? You, It's also creating your own self-awareness on how to communicate bad news uh, and good news, of course. You know, are you developing that as well? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Alex. Uh, that that be, empathy naturally comes out of mental resilience because you see what stress causes, how it's caused, and so you know what causes stress to other people's and employees. So, if you recognise the way that you talk, so if you understand that your employees, there's certain triggers that you know that that can trigger them to be stressed. There, there's certain things you don't put them through that, or you help them work through it you help them challenge it or through exposure therapy being able to expose themselves to those those triggers and then replacing that trigger with something like um breathing or meditation or some positive aspect to break that um that channel that's been created that pathway that's been created from the trigger to the reaction from trigger to stress to trigger to relax and that's that's really vitally key but it does that self-awareness is huge and when you do meditation you can do um body scanning and that awareness of how your body feels when you relax and tense your muscles and untense them and how it feels when you're breathing in and out you 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 do become more aware and with knowledge comes yeah, great responsibility and power doesn't it really you be you become awakened and understand wow this is the impact this is what stresses people out so if i have these triggers triggers what does someone else have that's triggering them how are they coping maybe i can offset that and make them aware of what i've learned and you start cascading that down you learn it in the workplace you take it to your friends and family but just be mindful, not everybody wants help. <laughs> I've, I've tried to help people and I've had it really, I've lost friends, I've, I've, I've lost jobs because I was too honest and tried to help people. But 
it's you know these these things happen uh, but not everybody wants help because it sometimes can uncover things from childhood and things like that that they're not ready to to fo- uh, to face yet and that's just just being mindful of that we just have a minute and a half left do you have a final thought you'd like to share yeah to treat treat your mind like you treat your body if you want to everybody focuses on i want to get beach ready i want to get fit i want to be able to do a five minute mile i want to do this one body okay train your mind as hard as you train your body when i say train your mind i mean do the meditation do the mindfulness it's you know it's you have to put the time aside for it so instead of watching um some show or tv program focus on your mind you can train your mind by um by learning as well you can train your mind by uh, doing those exercises that I, I said um you know all the meditation but just train your mind as hard as you train your body and you'll be just a complete human being and it, it'll just be the best version of yourself well we've come to the end of the show mark thank you so much and thank you, Alex. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So did I. I'm, I'm like I said during our, our break. Uh, I've really started to look at uh, personal resilience and the psychology behind it. And uh, as you described, it's just not a quick fix, you know. And <laughs> I, and I think unfortunately, too many people and organizations are trying to find that quick fix so they can move on, you know, that tick box. And that's just not the way this works. Well, I just hope more people see your podcast because it's really going to help them as well. Or the different people that you have on, given that different perspective, I think it's really vital that that people see that. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate you sharing your time and expertise with us today. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate it. Nice meeting you again. Nice meeting you. Thank you very much. And everybody watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.